you know, let's talk about adjusting to the new world. So when COVID happened and obviously social distancing, uh, it was it wasn't even like there was a drop a little bit. All of that business went away. Uh, and, you know, like it did for anybody who performs for live audiences, um, a culture hustler is what you've, you've, you've got it going on, but there's no such thing as a live event. And I think it'll be one of the last things that comes back online. Hey, what's up? This is Culture Hustlers, where we talk about making a living while making art. I'm your host, Lucas Spivey. I'm a BFA and an MBA hybrid drifting across the world, interviewing thousands of artists, designers, performers, writers, makers, and other entrepreneurs on how the hell they hustle out a living by selling culture. Do you want to know how to make a living while making art? Apply to our cohort, where we learn business together in over 30 states and five countries and counting. Applications are due every four months, and our next deadline is August 3rd. More details at culturehustlers.com. This Culture Hustlers podcast is recorded inside our mobile recording studio. Actually, we can't record interviews in an enclosed space doing word on the street. Are you crazy? There's a pandemic going on. So we decided to record this episode 100% online, and it's only appropriate because everything has gone online since COVID-19 hit. We're all physically distancing ourselves, and that means you, as a creator, have to get creative with how you get yourself out there. So many cultural industries were hit hard during this pandemic. Galleries and museums closed, studios and classrooms closed, theaters, bars, clubs, they all closed. Everyone had their livelihood and their creativity around that affected by this pandemic. Many of us lost income, some of us gained new income and new audiences. But essentially, nobody was spared from this change. And in short, we all had to pivot. So let's look at how one industry in particular pivoted. Performance, specifically live performance. How do we do a live performance during a pandemic? Well, we're gonna show you examples of how creative people pivoted during this time so that they still could do live performances even without a live audience in front of them. We're gonna hear from a dozen different performers, including comedians, poets, singers, teachers, healers. But first, I want to introduce you to our first guests and the sponsors of today's episode. Hi, my name is Joanne Britton, AKA Mob Boss Joe. I'm the president of the Mobs Press. I'm originally from Montreal, but now residing in Toronto, and I'm here to help artists get promoted. I'm Chase Washington. I'm one of the partners of the Mobs Press. I'm also one of the city bosses of one of our affiliates called Mob Toronto. There's always a way to um, earn a living on something that you love. I know it's, it's, it's kind of cliche, but for myself personally, if I could kind of step back into time, looked at myself and said, listen, man, uh, stick to what you love. And that's working with artists. So that's what I would uh, tell myself. I would tell my younger self that you were right. You were so right. Don't listen to anybody who tells you that your passion is stupid, that you have no future in what you're doing, because I am proof of the pudding that you, you can achieve. And all you wanted to do is bring good to other people and obviously make a little bucks on the way, but bring the greater good. So that's you, dear listener. You want to bring the greater good, but you also need to make some revenue. 
Revenue it has always been an issue for artists that is nothing new, but what was revenue like before COVID? What was revenue like during COVID now? And what do you think revenue will be like after COVID? So I will say before COVID, you still needed to be online. It's not like you did not need to be online. Let's just say the pressure wasn't as much, it wasn't there as much. So having a website, having a social media presence, having an online presence was there. But now with COVID, it's become mandatory, especially as an artist, because you have no other ways of expressing yourself or even making money. Get on those online platforms to your benefit. And depending on what you're doing, you might have to change the way you were doing it. So with some comedians who were performing on stage in bars before, which now are all closed, they have to bring that online and online either through Zoom, through YouTube Live, through other different platforms. They have to engage their audience in a whole different way and even perfect their craft in a whole different way and probably discover new ways on how to provide that art and get the same satisfaction without an audience in front of them. Joe gave a great example of how comedy in particular has shifted during COVID. There is something profoundly important about comedy. Now, we've already moved away from physical audiences almost a century ago. This pivot has been happening for a long time. We had radio and recorded albums almost 100 years ago. Then we moved to TV. Then we had comedy specials that were recorded, put out on HBO and Netflix. This is nothing new. But let's take a look at what a performer today has had to do in order to pivot. Uh, my name is uh, Derek Sagay. I uh, am a stand-up comedian based here in the epicenter of coronavirus in Montreal, Quebec. And um, I'm very handsome. Uh, well, uh, I'm a stand-up comedian. Uh, if you've never heard of stand-up comedy, then fucking get out of the house, for God's sake. Oh, not right now, but when, when you're allowed to get out of the house, get out of the house. Usually when I get any kind of when I get in financial, like when it's uncertain or like, you know, when your bank account gets down to the, the zero area, I usually get a stress. Like I, my, my mood is often very much affected by my financial health. Uh, this time I'm destitute with no sort of prospect on the horizon. And because I'm in the same boat as the whole planet, for some reason, it's not really getting me that down. I've, I find myself more busy than ever. I'm trying to make Instagram content out of like my backyard project or fixing my son's car or even cooking dinner sometime. I'm just trying to pump out content because I, my fear is like when I want to do something that could generate revenue is that people will have forgotten me by then, right? So I'm just trying, I'm being conscious of trying to stay on top of people's minds. And I make fun of the content part of it all the time, too. I always start off all the Instagram posts with the content, content, here comes some content. <laughs> Creators are well aware of how much content they're being pushed to create. However, there's a very big difference between recorded content and a live comedy show. It is felt by the audience, but it's also felt by the performer themselves. I don't care for Zoom shows. I know a lot of people are doing them, but for me, if I, if I can't have the aggression of a live crowd and that energy, uh, it's not stand-up comedy to me. That's Patrick Hakeem, who describes the nightmare of not having his traditional venue to perform with. Imagine what would be a horror show would be uh, me doing comedy in a mask while people 
are in an audience and they're wearing masks and they can't see my face and it's like super weird. That's that, that's pretty much, but I have no idea. First of all, my business is uh, not pandemic proof. I learned that. Uh, comedy. Comedy has been canceled. Yeah. Uh, how do I get my myself out there? I don't. I would totally respect that people are doing that and that's okay. But right now I'm on uh, hiatus until things get back to normal. But what is normal? Do any of us even remember what normal was? And for those of us who can recall what normal was like back in 2019, do we even want to go back to that? For most of us, the way we got ourselves out there and made a living was way too challenging and way too unfocused. Is COVID the wake-up call that we needed as creators to finally stop doing what wasn't working and get ourselves out there in ways that are faster, more efficient, more profitable, more direct, and even more impactful, even though they are online? Do we really want to go back to normal? Uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully things will be getting back to normal, normal, whatever normal means. That's Derek Fergie, a comedian. For years, Derek had dreamed of a fundraiser telethon, but the logistics of doing a telethon were always out of reach. Booking the venue, lining up the performers, managing the physical seats and the physical tickets, all the logistics attached to that suddenly became easier when he embraced live streaming the event and pairing it with a crowdfunding campaign. Uh, here's how COVID-19 struck us. Uh, just a quick little uh, backstory. We are uh, a talk show that shoots in the same way that a talk show would. We have a monologue joke and a guest and a comedian. We shoot it all in one take all the way through. The difference is we do it all in 10 minutes. It's real brisk, real fast. We were shooting at Corner Comedy Club, which is in Toronto here, and uh, that room is real small. That room is perfectly tiny for our tiny show. We couldn't shoot there uh, because it was just it was it was too close proximity. So the first thing we did is we saw that all the comedians that were coming on our show, uh, a lot of them, uh, their schedules dried up. They were looking at their planner for the gigs for the next few months, and everything just evaporated. How can we do something to maybe help out? So we started a GoFundMe, and we did. 10-hour talk show. We did a basic uh, telethon here in my basement, just, just right over there, in 10 hours of just having guests come in and Instagram live. Uh, we were just shy of a grand, and then we let it go on, and we put the word out, and we said, you know, we're going to continue this GoFundMe page, uh, and if anybody wants to support the comedy com community while their uh, work is dried up, you're welcome to contribute. And the word got out to some some, some big names, and we ended up getting thir making 31 grand. $31,000. I mean, uh, it's unreal. Maybe even 50 people who have received grants uh, from this uh, GoFundMe initiative, which is great. So we're pretty excited about that. And it's going to live on until the end of September. So a lot of people said, go online, make content, start doing live streams, create videos, podcasts, content, 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 here comes some content. But if there's no paywall or the paywall is only a suggested donation, well, hey, that's great. But that is not a reliable income stream. In real life, we have tickets, we have doors, even guards to make sure that you've paid to see this private performance. And when it comes to online performance, most creators have never established paywalls, ticketing, platforms, or other mechanisms to collect that income for that private performance. Doing stuff online for free, that's awesome, but that's marketing, it's not sales. So let's talk about this. What's the difference between online income and just marketing yourself with free content? So from what I've seen, if you were an artist who already had some clout before COVID-19, who could call an audience and fill up a room before that, 
you are able to put up that paywall and you are able to get people to pay $10, $20 for that ticket to watch you because you already have that clout. If you are somebody who had maybe just started or somebody who is maybe in that middle way about to break away, you might have a harder time pulling in that audience because maybe you haven't thought about building that audience as much or that audience isn't big enough for you to pull enough funds every month for you to, to be, for it to be viable. So for example, with comedians who had to do stand-up comedy in front of crowds, now they've turned to the online, but you can just do joke, punchline, joke, punchline. Storytelling is what keep, keeps people engaged and that's what keeps people coming back. The way I've been thinking for a while, how do artists become artistpreneurs? Same thing I've said before with respect to how do you build um, multiple streams of income, especially if you're, an, uh, if you're a singer, uh, if you're a band member and your core revenue sources was selling tickets uh, or landing gigs. If you go online, sure, those are opp opportunities still there to do these online shows, um, but they may not be as fruitful. Let's take a look at how another industry has been handling this change, specifically the music industry. Here's Keisha Wynn, a singer. So one of the gigs that got canceled for me, which was one of the biggest gigs, was that I got to be a headliner on one of the stages at the Panama Blues Festival. And literally five days before we were to board the plane, we were told it was canceled. That was a big upset. <sighs> this pandemic has been a tough one. During this pandemic, I've learned a lot about myself. I also took time to just look at my business and see where I can tweak things and make things better. Sometimes we need to just press the reset buttons in our lives and we were forced to reset. So sometimes we need to hit the reset button. And that's precisely the right move when the world has made a tectonic shift. For singers who have had their entire livelihood canceled, the right move is to scrap the old way of getting their work in front of people and rethink it. In short, you have to create your very connection points, not just the creation itself. Be as creative with your channels as you are with your work. Let's hear how the rapper Eleven made his pivot. You can get lost in the grind, trying to win. Now that you got some time, you go within, taking control of your mind. It's time that you did. Don't lie in a spot of better lies. It's all on the web, the web, deep breaths. Some creative ways that I've always done, but now thanks to COVID, I like really embraced to to look to look out more for is partnerships that you can do with brands. Um, I did. The second week of COVID, I think I did a steam whistle, live stream performance. I've always done brand deals like that, but the trick with that is to really look for brands that like are applicable to you, not just like, you know, some brand that you like, like think about it. I think another layer of self-awareness that came from 
COVID is like to uh, build on your patience and to um, not necessarily need the, the, the live aspect of a, of a show to give you that that energy that you need back in order to keep it going. I think the effects long term are probably going to be a lot more uh, sustainable live stream or remote uh, gigs getting offered to musicians. I think the way that brands leverage entertainment is probably going to shift. That's like primarily the space because those are the two benefactors and just follow the money. Oh, I'm gonna get lost in time when I go within. I think I lost my mind. I'm starting to spin. Time to ascend one time, Egyptian prince. Someone please send a sign. They flocked us in, but I would not give in. Walking into a doctor's den, chock full, and a lot of them need oxygen, mainly because of the mask is blocking them from inhaling in, causing flame. And there's no such thing as a carbon monoxide tolerant person. Did you think that we were gonna get SARS again? Many odd new trends, and that's one of Something that'll be really fascinating to talk about is how do you choose which channel can be on every platform? YouTube, podcasting, uh, Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok. You can't do all of those things at a high level, right? You could do all of them at like a mid-level yeah. level or a low level. So how do, you, how do you know as a creative person, like which platform to choose? And it really comes down to what is your end goal? Which platform, which channels to use really depends on the type of audience you're trying to capture. So if you're trying to capture a younger audience, obviously, an Instagram, a Snapchat, TikTok will probably be better. If you're more video centric, you wanna to go to YouTube, uh, Instagram, IGTV. If you're a writer, Twitter is great because you can write and it's not very image centric. If you're a photographer, more visual artist, Instagram all the way. So it really um, comes down to what your art is and how you want to put it out there. And at the end of the day, like I say, nobody wants to go to three or four different platforms to find out everything about you, which is where having one place, one concise place, which is usually like your shop, your online shop, which is your website, which I always call it. It's like your evolving place that always changes because you as an artist always change. And it's the easiest way to send people and show them everything that you're doing at the same time. So I would say start from there. And if you are on many platforms, Find out the strengths of those platforms. Yeah, I think the best way to um, to choose which platform works for you, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever it is, um, you should really start looking at your your stats and the performances of, of, of your, your platforms and seeing which ones are working. Um, in some cases, Facebook works better for some people. Um, Instagram works better than others. But you're not going to know unless you actually look at the metrics and see, especially when it comes down to impressions. Impressions are the most important stat you want to look for, right? So take a look at which one is, was working for you, maximize that on that, then build upon it, right? Uh, you know, when we do customer acquisition campaigns, you know, we, we look at things for, for 90 days and we analyze those, the performance of each channel for 90 days, and we'll see the patterns and which ones work better. So um, that's the same type of methodology, I would say, for artists to do. And it's not that hard. Um, all these uh, online insights, analytics are free and all these platforms. So it's a really not a good opportunity to take advantage of that. Last thing I want to talk about is this idea of like amplifying and diversifying. Some artists need to diversify more. They need to play mm -hmm. around with some new stuff. They're like, they're mm -hmm. too controlled and tight. And they're like, but it's supposed to be like this. And they mm -hmm. keep doing the same thing and getting the same results and they refuse to change, right? They're stubborn. And then mm -hmm. there's like a different type of uh, stubbornness where like people are like trying every single thing. 
group is <laughs> yes. so diversified. They've never really drilled down deep. I think it would probably be like diversify, try a bunch of things, figure out what, what works, simplify, find the mm -hmm. one or two things that really work, and then just amplify as much as you can. So yeah, when it comes to amplifying what you already have, sometimes people, they get overwhelmed and they go too far down the rabbit hole and they're like, oh, I need a whole new thing and I need a whole new that. I know artists who still have the same website from the 90s and amplifying can be as simple as updating your website and bringing it into this new era. All you need is a fresh new picture. Maybe your Twitter header has been the same since 2018. Switch it up, put something different. Uh, change the pinned tweet that's been there. There's very simple things you can do to amplify what you already have there in order to push what you want to have, what's going to be coming next. Create something that is for yourself and see if that could be your new revenue stream. I know what you're thinking. Great. There's so many platforms out there. There's definitely one for me. I can figure out how to use it. I can slowly optimize by using metrics and all that. But if you're still feeling stuck, I would venture to bet that the thing that you are missing is the answer to a couple quick questions. What is your role in the world? What is your identity? How do you relate to people? What is your value to people? And who are those people? Who is your audience? Our last guest is someone who knows without a shadow of a doubt who he is in this world and who he is that for. Well, my name is Adam Grow. I currently live in Toronto and many people would more likely recognize me as the cash cab guy. I am the host of the Canadian version of that show. Uh, I'm also a stand-up comic and, a, and an event host, corporate entertainer. Well, the biggest change for me, most of my, you know, you know, primary work is live events, conferences, conventions, uh, hosting a uh, gala awards ceremonies for a company or for a charitable organization. So I would do comedy at these events or I do my live quiz show or I would simply be the host. So when COVID happened and obviously social distancing, uh, it was it wasn't even like there was a drop, uh, uh, you know, a little bit. All of that business went away. Uh, that's the biggest change for for me is all there's no such thing as a live event. And I think it'll be one of the last things that comes back online. Doesn't it feel like it's been like a year <laughs> since this whole thing? It's only been a couple of months. And so, well, my approach is, uh, it has always been about being poised for success and then addressing uh, in a creative, aggressive way, uh, people, your clients, your audiences, needs and wants. I mean, that's my specialty is interacting with everyday Canadians, whether it be at a, at a corporate event where I'm bringing people up on stage and interacting with them and kind of going with the flow or what I did, you know, a la in the cash cab, just everyday Canadians hopping in. And with my online content, I'm doing that, uh, trying to bring everyday Canadians into my uh, quiz show environment online. For instance, I've got a couple of clients, one in particular working on a big conference and they have to stage this big conference virtually for a hundred plus people. And they have to provide some sort of entertainment or, you know, break it up a bit from all the agenda based content and yada, yada. And normally I might be a host or a facilitator to do that in a live environment. Well, virtually they need somebody to do that. So now I've got this product. I've got two different platforms that I can use to bring audiences in and host a show 
uh, and do my quiz show and, and service this client. So now I'm poised for success in the virtual world to provide some sort of similar service to what I did. Adam is someone who is obsessed with asking the right questions. And you try all these new things, it doesn't mean you scrap everything. He took the same identity. Stand-up comic and, a, and an event host, corporate entertainer. The same audience. I mean, that's my specialty is interacting with everyday Canadians. And he simply pivoted how he got it out there. I know what you're thinking. Hey, cool, I should pivot to live stream for my performances, right? The answer is live stream. Well, the answer might be yes, but maybe the answer is no. And you've heard examples of how it is right for a performer who maybe has the audience to set up that paywall or how it's wrong for a performer who, for example, needs that energy from a live audience. So now you're probably frustrated. How can live stream be the right answer for some performers and the wrong answer for others? What am I, as a performer, supposed to do? Well, okay, as a self-employed creator, if there's anything you need to hear, it's this. There are no right answers. None. Never was. No entrepreneur, no creator, anyone doing anything truly new ever has had the right answers. But they have had the right questions. You must get obsessed with asking the right questions. The answer to a pandemic is going to vary based on the individual. But the questions involved are timeless. What is your identity? Who is your audience? And what is your value to that audience? If you've asked those questions, then you can ask the bigger question, which is what's the best channel to reach them? How do I pivot? Sometimes it's just good to ask the right people the right questions to kind of sit down with and kind of give you more of a lay of the land of who you are, what you're doing. You may not have all the answers, right? If artists really took the time to um, connect with the right people with a professional sometimes to get a little bit more um, understanding of their business I think that could help them out a lot down the road surrounding yourself with the right people is always going to make the difference do not creatively distance yourself you are not alone in this journey. You need to mix it up with a diverse group of creative people who know what that journey is like. Even if their answers are different on that journey, they are asking the same questions over and over. Who am I? Who is my audience? How do I reach them? Culture Hustlers has a cohort of creators from over 30 states and across five countries. We're all asking these same questions and we want you to join us so that we can learn business together not alone through video chats forums support groups webinars movie nights road trips and more our next application is due august 3rd and we accept applications every four months check it out at culturehustlers.com huge thank you to hillary and bry they are students in the culture hustlers cohort and they worked off their tuition by interviewing and editing on this podcast you can check out the documentary version of live audience to live stream on our youtube and we have lots of illustrated quotes on our Instagram by Grimdrops, another student in the cohort working down his tuition by doing work study. And if you love Joe and Chase's wisdom as much as I did, they are there to help you up your promotion game. Go check out themobspress.com. Well, normally I end this episode by wishing you well from whatever city I'm in, uh, but this episode took place <laughs> across the globe. But right now I am recording this outro from Austin, Texas. So I wish you lots of love from Austin, Texas. Content, content, here comes some content. <laughs>
hub, and spoke. Audio Collective.